Welcome to Inspiration Rising. My name is David Trotter, and I'm a transformation coach dedicated to inspiring women and the men who support them to rise up in life, love, and leadership. Well, are you a working mom? I'm just kidding. We know that all moms are the hardest working people on the planet. Let me ask you a different question. Do you have a nagging feeling that you need to choose between a career and your family? Well, today I want to introduce you to Colleen Hauck, who is deeply passionate about the and life, having both a connected family and a successful career. She spent 15 years in corporate, specializing in training and leading sales teams. Colleen is now a speaker, trainer, and co-author of two books, including Women Who Ignite and Why Didn't Anybody Tell Me This Bleep Before? Mm, Fill in the blank. She trains and coaches elite performers on her techniques to have it all without losing it all. Well, before we jump into this interview, I want to announce the release of my new book entitled Empowered to Rise, The Secret to Embracing Your True Identity, Uncovering Your Superpowers, and Bringing Your Inspiration to the World. If you or your friend have been feeling a little stuck, overwhelmed, or just downright tired of life, pick up a copy of this short read on Amazon. In her five-star Amazon review, Jessica Bishop writes, the author uses his own story and his own life to show that you can overcome obstacles. It's real talk in a language that every reader can understand. Actually inspirational and left me wanting more from this author and his way of addressing the reader. Amazing book, and I will definitely read this one over and over. Highly recommend to anyone feeling stuck, feeling overwhelmed, or just because you want more. All right, you got to pick up this new book. It's a short read, and it will transform your life. I'm telling you, pick it up, Empowered to Rise, on Amazon at insporising.com forward slash book. Takes you right to the Amazon page, insporising.com slash book. All right, let's jump into my conversation with Colleen Hauck. Colleen, thanks so much for taking some time to hang with me today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, David. Excited to be here. Yeah. One of the things that I know you're passionate about is helping women experience both a successful corporate career or career in any any context and also excel in their family life. Um, as you work with women and speak in that corporate environment, what are some of the, the greatest challenges that you face and other women face in working in a corporate environment and job? So I would say the, the first big one is really just how do you continue to drive professionally while having these other personal responsibilities? Because, you know, me, like most people, when you first started out in your career, you really, that was your primary focus. You had limited responsibilities. No I mean, kids yet. You're, right, you're just right. All the time in the world. Absolutely. I mean, I remember my first career, it was, you know, I'd get into work early, I'd leave late, I'd hit the gym, come home, microwave a dinner and sit on the couch in my one bedroom apartment and watch friends all by myself, right? Sure. It's like, all I needed to really focus on was work. And, and, and that's what, what most people, that's how they started. And so along comes whether it's purchasing a home or falling in love or kids, or for some people now, it's just taking care of aging parents alongside of their corporate career. Or and, a, high, a high need dog. 
a high need dog. <laughs> <laughs> I have high maintenance cats, so I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> so, you know, it's like what, you know, you went to college to learn how to do your career, but it's like, did anybody, did you go take some kind of course on how do you deal with all of this stuff, right? Yeah. That comes with life. So it's really just, hey, this is how I've been functioning for my first, you know, 10, 15 years in adulthood. And now all of these other things have been, you know, kind of put in front of me. And how, how do I navigate that? How do I still be successful professionally with all of these other I'm going to say responsibilities and loves and passions and everything mm-hmm. else. So it's just kind of the knowing, like, how in the world do I do that? And and it comes down because it's it's time, you know, time is we only have a finite number of minutes or hours in the day. So it's not like we can create new time right. to accommodate that. So that's one of, one of the big ones. Um, the other, I would say the other big challenge then is, okay, so I've got that. It's how do I do that? So most people are searching for flexibility uh, within their corporate career. And I found, and I continue to see this as the challenge with a, a lot of women and men, is flexibility isn't just about what company you work for. It it comes down to specifically who your manager is. Ah, uh, okay. Because you could work anywhere and have like a really good manager or a really not so good manager. Absolutely. So, you know, at any given time in my corporate career, you know, so in 15 years, one of the companies I was with was just for over 11 of those years, majority of my time. And I found that my flexibility or my ability to say, hey, I'm leaving on time today because I want to go work out or I'm going to, you know, I'd like to work from home on Fridays because I I travel majority of the week and I want to be able to see my kids this, you know, on Friday Mm -hmm. mornings. That all depended upon who my specific manager was or who their senior leader was. Uh, And even within the same company, at any given time, I might be feeling, gosh, the, the the corporate culture is, you know, kind of low and we don't have any flexibility and we have to, you know, butts and seats. Mm -hmm. And then I could speak to a peer of mine across the country in another office and she has the complete different perspective. And I find that that is true in a lot of, you know, mid to large size companies where that, that flexibility really just comes down to the individual manager. So it, Mm it can be challenging. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. So for you over the course of your 15 years, was there a point where it just got to be too much for you and your family? Like take me into that role. I know you traveled a lot in your job, like take me into that. I worked um, right out of college. I worked three years in corporate. That was way more than enough for me. That was, <laughs> that was a lot. I was chained to that desk. You know, I worked for a paper distribution company. It was the office, uh, you know, basically. Yeah. And uh, it was a paper distribution company. And I was in charge of a group of people that bought paper that, you know, put it on warehouses across the nation and, uh, you know, boy, I got baptized into corporate life early. I got out after three years. I found out that it wasn't for me. But a lot of people, you know, that I find in, in our entrepreneurial obsessed world, corporate life gets bashed on quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And yet corporations are the backbone of a lot of what's happening in America. And so many people work in corporate jobs and a lot of people love their corporate job because they're wired that way for, you know, so no corporate bashing here. Yes, no. 
at the same time, there was a challenging experience that you had in your life. Walk us through that. Yeah. And, and I will share, I love, I love corporate. I mean, even as I become an entrepreneur and, you know, do, do my business of, of coaching and speaking and training uh, full time now, I, I specifically most enjoy working with corporate. Like right. that's my you jam. serve corporations and yes. people that yeah. work in corporations. You love it. Yeah, of yeah, course. Absolutely. It's funny. I was an elementary school teacher when I first got out of college and I made that transition after six years into corporate and everybody would ask me like, why is teaching so bad? I'm like, no, look, it's not that teaching's bad or in your, your point, not that corporate is bad. It just wasn't the right fit for me at there that you go. time. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So it's always about what's the right fit. So, so I absolutely, you know, I was so focused on my career. I was, you know, down that path. And so right before going into 2013, so basically setting me up for 2013, I was offered a promotion and it was the promotion I really wanted. So I was flying high and I was so high that when my boss was sitting there offering me this position, I wasn't listening to anything he said other than I got this promotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I overlooked the fact that this promotion also came with um, somebody else's nearly full book of business. I was in sales. So I was going to keep 90% of my current role, take over 90% of somebody else's current role Mm. and become a people manager, not just an individual contributor. And I, I, I was oblivious. I just, I didn't pay attention and I said yes to this. Mm-hmm. So I went into 2013, essentially running almost two people's nearly full-time book of business. And I refused to fail. I won't fail my manager, my peers, my clients. So in order to be able to do that job, I just stopped sleeping. I was oh, sleeping about four hours every night. No way. Oh, yes. And I don't know if you've ever done that, but it essentially turns you into being drunk. Like you're, in, you're physically intoxicated. Every um, night, you're only getting four hours. Yes. I would and be so excited if I got five. You're staying up super late doing paperwork and Excel spreadsheets and PowerPoints and phone calls and flying places and all of that stuff. And then doing whatever, obviously. Taking a nap <laughs> and then taking a nap, as I called it, in the middle of the night. And then I would be back up again doing the same thing. And it, it was a combination of it was it was the job, plus I was still wanting to be wife and mom and take mm-hmm. care of everything else. And but nobody in my corporate job had a clue that I was only sleeping a few hours. I mean, I I hit it. I showed up and gave 100% of my energy to my job. That's a lot day. of under eye makeup. A lot, to- <laughs> a lot, and a lot of coffee. I was, I knew what time my local Starbucks opened. I was there with the delivery trucks before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, but the the problem was, I was giving everything to my job, which meant me and my family were literally getting my leftovers. Yeah. And I did that for thirteen months, and finally one one day I was, you know, at work. That night, I was supposed to be going to a holiday party. It was okay. for a networking group. I had served on the committee. And I was so looking forward to this party because it was literally like the first time I was going to do something for myself, social, go speak, you know, go hang out with a bunch of women, have a glass of wine, just not work, you know, sure, actually, sure. 
actually have some fun, which I had coined fun being the working mom's F word because I wasn't having any of it. (laughs) And so I, of course, uh, got sucked into needing to finish something late that night. And I essentially missed the holiday party. And Mm. that sounds so trivial in isolation, but within context of what had been going on, it Mm -hmm. just happened to be the thing that broke it all. Mm -hmm. And I found myself that night just sitting all alone, you know, in the darkness uh, of the office and crying and saying, like, this is it, I I have to quit. Mm. Um, But I was the primary breadwinner of of my family. I was the one who was financially supporting. So, you know, as much as I thought I need to quit, I knew like, well, how am I going to do that? And but I just I couldn't see how could I possibly continue working without feeling like I wasn't drowning every day or be scared out of my mind that my husband, Matt, wouldn't pack up our kids and just leave me because Mm. of how awful I was at home. Mm. So that was my breaking point. So you were bringing all of this stress home and your kids, I know they're still a bit young now. So they were like what younger elementary at the time? Yes. Um, so Reese was four, Ethan was seven, and Jordan was about uh, 15, nine, excuse me, 19 at the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was bringing it home. I mean, I, I often share that I would get to the door of our house and on the other side, I would hear Matt with our kids, you know, laughing, having this like fun-filled evening. Oh, was he a stay-at-home dad at the time? Oh, at the time, my husband ran his his business from home, so okay. he was he was home most often. Yes. Okay, and but it was like as soon as I barely opened the door, it was silent. Mm. And Matt Matt later shared with me, you know, the moment you walked in, we were on high alert. Mm. Because I just would come in on a rampage, noticing, you know, a sock in the middle of the family room floor. It just, I, I just, I had nothing. I, I couldn't show up for them. I wouldn't mm-hmm. show up for them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No margin, no grace, because it had all been spent. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that is so hard. Friends, I want to invite you to join our next Inspiration Rising Live on Thursday, March 26, 2020 at 6.30 p.m. in Orange County, California. This is a live podcast recording featuring interviews with Morgan Harper Nichols, author of All Along You Were Blooming, with over 1 million followers on Instagram. She's an amazing poet and illustrator. And Reverend Sarah Heath, author of The Authenticity Challenge. Plus, I'll be interviewed by Stacey Robbins about my new book, Empowered to Rise. You can call it a book launch party, call it a live podcast. I call it Inspiration Rising Live. Tickets are available at insporising.com forward slash live. And all ticket holders will receive a copy of Empowered to Rise and a deck of My True Identity Empowerment cards in the swag bag. Get tickets at insporising.com slash live. Obviously, you're now um, coaching and speaking and doing all kinds of amazing things around the country. Um, but you did you make that transition um, outright after that, or how did how did you make your transition? I'm so glad you asked that, David, because I I did not I I that night in the in my office when I knew like something has to change when I went through this whole like I have to quit but I can't quit it was it was essentially something has to change. 
And I, I remembered that my girlfriend had become a coach herself. And I texted her and said, I'm hiring you to help me. And literally three weeks later, we were on our first call. And it was through that process that I realized that the, the problems that I was facing were things I was choosing, that I was blaming, you know, my boss for giving me this promotion. Like how, how ridiculous does that sound? You know, I'm blaming yeah, yeah, my yeah. boss for promoting me, right? You know, blaming my husband because he gets to roll downstairs to, to start his day and I have to like commute and travel everywhere. So I, anyhow, I, I recognized it really was about me. And so I went through a process to refigure out what my priorities and make these changes and shifts so that I could learn to live what I now call is living the and life. So where you can continue to have a professional career and a fulfilling, you know, extraordinary personal life. Um, but I ended up staying at that corporate job for four more years. So, I mean, I, it was not a, I, this is all corporate's fault. I hated corporate. That was not my intention. I, I just needed to figure out me, like, how mm-hmm. do I make this work? Yeah. And how did you make it work? Did you continue to sleep only four hours a night or did you make shifts and changes? Yeah. So the very first thing that I started to do, uh, which was completely out of my comfort zone, um, was meditate. That was my coach's advice. And, you know, I was corporate. I was like black and white. What do you mean? I mean, when she said meditate, I'm picturing, you know, a bunch of long haired hippies sitting cross legged in a grassy field. Like, there's no way I'm going to meditate. Um, but I did. And what I ended up doing was I would meditate each morning for about five minutes. And I would just ask myself the question what makes me happy? And I know we've kind of gotten, you know, we kind of throw this word happiness around a little, you know, more frivolous than, than we should. But at the time, really what I was trying to do was just uncover, like, what got me excited? What was going to bring me pure joy? Mm-hmm. And I literally asked myself that one question every morning for about three weeks. And it allowed me to uncut, like, you know, the surface stuff came up, right? My, my husband, my kids, all of the things we would naturally mm-hmm. think about. But what really happened for me was I, I started to recognize when do I feel most alive? When am I most excited at my job? When am I most excited at home? And it was all centered around when I'm able to help coach or train somebody. When I see that they have a problem, I work through a process with them. And then I see the light go off that they have the answer. Sure. And so what I did was I just figured out how can I do more of that within my current job? Because mm-hmm. my, my job hadn't changed. I was still in my same role. It was just, how do I slowly start to integrate the thing that gets me excited to just at least feel better in the meantime? Sure. And then I slowly started to, to that became apparent to my management, which got me into a better role um, where I was able to not work as much. The other thing was, is I did, I asked to work from home on Fridays. Uh, something I should have done from the get-go had I been listening, you know, to what sure. this job description was. But I started asking for things that would help either, you know, give me more time at home, uh, give me a couple extra hours of sleep during the week. Um, I just I started to be more cognizant about the things that I could do mm-hmm. to make a change. So as you talked to and worked with this coach, one of the things I'm hearing you say is you got clear on the things that made you feel alive. And then you, it sounds like you began to integrate those into your work without even asking if you could, like you just kind of found ways to be able to do that. Is that right? 
Absolutely. You know, it's funny in, uh, in when I'm training with companies, I oftentimes will hear from employees, you know, well, I want this to change, but you know, we have to wait for the top down and I get it in certain aspects. There are certain big policy changes that would need to happen from the top down, but I'm a believer of start from where you are that you absolutely have control and choice over the things that are in your, you know, kind of surroundings. And so while I wasn't like going completely off the rails and, and, and saying like, oh, I'm now going to go work in our training department and just, you know, like I wasn't going crazy. It was just any opportunity I had to raise my hand and say, oh, there's, you know, this task force that would align with what I love or, you know, build out a little bit more of my time to coach the, you know, at the time, my one direct report, could I do a little bit more coaching with that person through the week versus locked in my office working on a PowerPoint presentation. So it, again, it wasn't off the charts that I was just creating a new job description. It was just finding little ways to integrate. And I absolutely believe that because I did that, that two things happened. One, my energy and my pure uh, excitement and enthusiasm for my job and my company started to really shift. And secondly, those little things I was doing was making an impact on other people. And my management saw that. And I believe those are the things that led to me getting my next promotion that much quicker than it would have happened uh, you know, if I hadn't done those things. Mm-hmm. Now, this term "working mom" is, uh, you know, that's a scary term for me. I, I you know, because like obviously all moms work. Um, so I, when I say that, I want to be, I want to say it with a caveat here. All moms work. Maybe it's a work outside the home mom. These days, you can work inside the home mom with a job. But anyway, there are women who have a job full or part time outside the home and still take on as statistics show, a large part, if not the majority of the domestic responsibilities, you have some tips that can help us. There, there are some simple things, but oftentimes just things that are like, yeah, I'm just not doing that. That could help me in a really tremendous way. If people want to get these tips, they can go to your website. They're called Five Working Mom Tips to Stop Feeling Crazy Busy. But I want to hear some from you, right? Break, break some of these down for us. One of the things you talk about is nightly planning. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a woman who's got a job, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm excelling in my career. I'm working hard, but I also, perhaps I've got kids. I've got all these activities. Maybe I've got a partner. What does nightly planning look like? Yes. Yes. So for me, I, I start the week prior. I mean, essentially I'm kind of starting the month prior every month. I'm kind of looking ahead. What are some of the big activities, the big things that are going on, whether that's professional or personal related and I start kind of building out a master list of things that, so I'm, I'm just a, a planner ahead, right? So some of the master things, you know, especially if you're going on a big trip or you have a big event where you need, you know, two, three weeks worth. So from there, then I'm kind of breaking it out for the week. So on Sundays, I sit down and I look ahead at the week and think, okay, where can I start to fit in some of these things that I need to do? And then absolutely every single night I'm looking to the next day. Um, you know, I, there's this kind of notion of you can have a to-do list, but unless it actually gets plugged into your calendar and time slots, it, the likelihood of it getting done is, is going to diminish. So I literally take my to-do list and I plug those things as appointments into my calendar. 
So they are, I am, I am already setting myself up to say, this is the time I'm going to work on this or I'm going to do this. Do that on paper or is it in your phone or computer app or how does it work? (laughs) Almost everywhere. I'm a little, (laughs) I'm a little compulsive, David, when it comes to that. Um, So when I was in my corporate job, you know, we worked off of Outlook, everything was in Outlook. Um, And then I just synced my phone with that to Mm -hmm. combine both personal, uh, professional and personal calendar. Um, But there's a couple of things that I do. Uh, One, it's absolutely in my phone because we all live with our phone. It's our mini computer that's with us. So it's there. Um, That's usually just holding the space for a lot of my like bigger appointments or, you know, meetings and calls. Mm-hmm. I kind of went back to old school paper, having a uh, having a, a calendar. I like to write in pencil. I, I there's just something about putting that pencil to paper, and um, you know, it's almost like an art where I'm kind of drawing this out for myself. Do you um, write in cursive? I don't. I write <laughs> in printing, but that's the elementary school teacher coming out in me with yeah, yeah. writing and printing. So. Yeah, so I do. I look ahead uh, at the next day and I block everything out in 30 minutes. I'm literally putting times in there when I'm, you know, cooking breakfast for the kids or I'm exercising or I've got this call or when I need to drive to this appointment. I'm, I'm literally looking at those things. Mm-hmm. And certainly, I like to say I, I am, you know, uh, structured on paper, but I'm flexible in mind. So I set myself up structured on that paper, but I mm-hmm. know stuff is going to happen. That's going to be out of my control, right? Mm-hmm. An emergency, you know, a, a client can't make it to, you know, a call. Like there's always things that are going to happen. So I try to stay flexible in my mind. That's why even though I kind of do an outline of a plan on Sundays, it's important for me to do it every night to make those fine-tune adjustments because things are going to shift or a project takes longer than you anticipate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the other tools that you have is you call it the whiteboard. I yes. love whiteboards. I love big sticky note pads. Tell me, what are you doing with this whiteboard? Yes. Yeah, so the whiteboard has become the thing that I thought was the simplest thing ever, but all of my clients and my friends swear by this, that the whiteboard's like the one thing that changed their life. So, um, you know how the simple things for us are, you know, seem silly, but, um, so I actually started with the whiteboard when I became a mom to my stepson, Jordan. So that is, oh goodness, they're, uh, 15, 16 years ago. And the whiteboard for, and it's still literally, I still have, we use the whiteboard to this day. It's in our kitchen. Uh, it's taking what's on, you know, my phone or my paper calendar and just doing big picture for the week. And it's for the week. I'm very specific about that. I do not like monthly calendar whiteboards. It's for the week. Uh, that's where each person in our family has a different color uh, pen. And it's written out what activities are happening for the day. So, you know, if my daughter has, you know, musical theater lessons or my son has baseball or my husband has a late work meeting, um, I'm traveling out of town for speaking. That's all on there. And then the big piece is then in a different color for us, it's, it's kind of a bright orange is what our dinner is going to be that week uh, or that night. So that's the other thing I do on Sundays when I'm looking ahead at the week, I plan out what our dinners are going to be. And I do that based upon what activities are happening that night or if I'm out of town. Um, and then that way I do all of my grocery shopping on Sunday so that I'm, you know, we have all of the essentials. 
And it allows us, number one, to eat more nutritiously, more cost-effective, but also then we're not scrambling or stressed. Like, what are we, like, what do I do? I don't have this, or I need to make an extra trip to the grocery store. It's like, it's run smooth in the evening time, which mm-hmm. with our age kids, with the activities and my husband and I, we both work full time outside of, you know, our, our parent job. So uh, it just allows us a little more peace of mind and then peace for our family as well. Yeah. Yeah. That is so hard when it's, especially if you have um, uh, two partners with kids, you know, that communication of, um, well, wait, I thought you were taking them. No, no, no. It was on your list, you know, but just to have it all there in one place, that sounds super simple. And you do that every Sunday. Every Sunday. Like. Yeah. Some, I mean, Saturday, sometimes it just depends on my weekend, weekend. Saturday or yeah. Sunday. Yeah. The weekend. Yeah. Um, and it, the, it allows them the kids too. this is the, something that I heard from my clients is that when they started integrating the whiteboard, it then became more of a family communication center. So the kids could even start to participate and see what was going on with mom or dad. Or what are we having for dinner? Or in some of my clients' cases, then their kids wanted to start being the ones that were planning what they were going to have for dinner one or two nights a week or what family outing they might take that Saturday. So it just kind of became like it's a communication center for families to really Mm -hmm. just get more involved and, and feel that kind of organization and planning process. It starts the kids really young on that. Mm -hmm. We're in a different season of life with our kids being um, 16 and 120 at college. And she's at college in the same town where we live. And one of the things that we asked her was, can you just um, print out your uh, school schedule? Like what, when are your classes during the day? And we have that up on the refrigerator. And I know it sounds weird, but it's kind of fun to look over and go, oh, she's in class right now. Yes. What, is, what is she learning right now? Or, um, oh, okay, she's free. I'll text her and say hello. Or maybe she's got um, the flexibility to have dinner tonight with us. You know, so even just your college kids calendar um, on the refrigerator or schedule can be fun uh, too, you know. I love that. I love that, David. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You also talk about time triggers. What are those? Uh, So people think I'm crazy. I have about 20 plus alarms on my phone. uh, And it's just because my phone is with me constantly. Now, look, I know that every day. Yeah. (laughs) Now, I, I do know there are apps and other things that can blend calendars and alerts and reminders and notes. Absolutely. I'm still a little bit old school. I love the simplicity of just being able to open my calendar and and alarms right within the convenience of the apps that are on my phone. So um, I'm not a good person to recommend these other really cool apps. I do know they exist, but I'm old school with my alarms. Because here's the deal. Uh, You know, we, we function in a way that we need to maximize our time because there's only those so many, you know, minutes, we can't create new time. And so I want to make sure that when I'm working on a project or I'm on a call, I'm doing anything professionally or even personally with time with my family, that I am 100% focused on that particular thing at hand. And so I set alarms to alert me when it's time to get ready to leave or go do something different. So for me, um, because I do run my business from home, 
I need to pick up my daughter from school every day. Well, I don't want to be con- constantly checking the clock in the is afternoon. Is it time? Is it time? Is it time? No, that's such a distraction. So I know my alarm is set every weekday at a certain time that it's time for me to leave to go pick her up. So the same, good. same thing happens at home. There's an alarm set for uh, when it's time to get ready for my kids' different practices or classes or whatnot. So when we're home together, again, I'm not checking the clock. I'm focused on the time with them. The alarm will tell us, hey, it's now time. You know, we've got five minutes. We're leaving out the door. So um, I even do that down to a few minutes. If I know I've got a call, I've got everything set up, but I've got maybe three minutes to spare, I'll set the timer for three minutes so I can maybe do something quick, not lose track of time, but capitalize on those three minutes, you know? So, yeah, I do the so, exact same thing. I will literally pick up my phone and just say, um, you know, hold it down, set an alarm for X time because I get distracted. I get so focused on another project. And like you said, I don't want to have to be thinking about it. Every time I'm looking over at the clock, it's distracting me and I'm maximizing that time. I do the exact same thing and it creates peace in me. By setting ab- that alarm, it creates peace because I don't have to worry about it then. Absolutely. I I never remember what the data is about every time you're distracted by something, how much more time it takes you to get re-engaged. If it's five minutes, 15 minutes, I never remember. But I know it's more than I want to actually be spending. I want to be using that time to to be engaged in whatever it is. So uh, yeah, so anything reoccurring in my life has an alarm set. It's the simplest thing to do. So good. All right. And last one is kids choice. Oh, this is one of my favorites. Okay. So as when I was a new mom, uh, well, you know, the kids were starting to go into elementary school and start having, you know, school plays or the church play, all of these different things happening. It seems like every single week there's, you know, a class party or their performance, something. And I traveled quite a bit for work. So I was starting to have that, you know, quote unquote, working mom guilt. And, and or I was making myself crazy trying to cram in all of my work so I could leave early to try to get to some event. And I finally just started asking my, my children individually, every time one of their activities came up, I would say, would you like me to be there for this? And it's crazy how many things they could care less about. They actually, my kids now at their age, they're now 10, 13. And, and then my stepson Jordan is 25 out of the house. But like my daughter Reese, who's now 10, almost 11. She's like, mom, by the way, that performance next Friday, please do not come to school. It's <laughs> the dumbest thing I, you know, cause she would, she, and it's more like she gets it, right? Like my kids, we were so open in our communication. They understand how to prioritize and how to stay focused and use their time wisely, right? So they get it. Like she knows she'd much rather have me be at something else of hers versus this. So I, I highly encourage parents who work outside of the home, start asking your kids, Stop driving yourself crazy trying to get to everything when your kid may not even actually care that you're there. (laughs) That is so So, true. Yeah. Yeah. That is so true. Wow. So um, you've given us a lot of practical tips, but you also mentioned that kind of that working mom guilt. Um, We've got a lot of moms that are listening that may be having that, whether they even have a full-time job outside of the house or not, they might be feeling guilt about all kinds of things. How would you encourage them in this moment? Yeah, so 
first it's, it's trying to get to the root of where the guilt is coming from. You know, is it guilt because you feel your kids are thinking you're not there? Look, there's data to, to prove that, you know, kids of working, especially working moms, they tend to earn more higher salaries as an adult. So, you know, kind of reframing like, okay, my kids are seeing me work. That's a positive. I'm setting them up for success, right? So kind of starting to shift that mindset. Or is the guilt because you're comparing yourself or you think other parents who don't work are comparing you to them? And it's like, okay, well, that's on them. You just need, you need to get over it. I'm sorry. That's, that's your own peace of mind that if other people are having issues, they're comparing, that's on them. That's not on you. So I, I, I believe, first of all, it, again, it's just where is that guilt coming from? And most of the time, it's coming from somewhere external mm-hmm. and really just shifting the focus on, you know, what are the benefits? You know, there's so many benefits to being, you know, a parent who's working outside of the home. And are you communicating that with your children? So if the working mom guilt is because you're worried about not giving every minute to your children, you know, but are you having conversations with them about, What's going on in your life and what's going on for you? I mean, when I pick up my daughter from school, Reese, uh, she, she always asks me after we talk about her day, she's like, so mom, how was your day? What did you do? So it's, you know, it, it really changes things. And I'm a believer, I, this is my own personal belief that my number one job as a parent outside of keeping my children safe is to raise them to become independent adults. That's my personal belief. And I know that one of the ways I'm doing that is by having outside interests, whether that's through work, um, for a couple of reasons. You know, one, it means that I'm not spending every waking moment with my kids. They have learned how to be independent because they don't have mom next to them at their side all of the time. And then they also see that I have personal interests and hobbies and passions. And so it's setting them up to do the same. So, um, Yeah, that's what I would offer, David. (laughs) Wonderful. Uh, You serve people in lots of different ways through your business. One, you have weekly videos on Facebook and YouTube. You also um, speak at corporate events and you have a coaching or or membership program. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that and who that might be best suited for? Mm -hmm. Yes. So the membership program is called the Five Star Society. And I started that primarily for women in corporate uh, who may or may not be a mom per se, because everybody has something else outside of their professional world. Uh, But it is a monthly program where we get together live on a video call uh, where I'm giving them a different topic, doing some training. But then the majority of the call really is what we call co-mentoring. So it's an opportunity for everybody to ask questions and give their professional advice and share their experiences. So it's a wonderful community experience. Um, And yes, that's called the Five Star Society. Um, And then I do offer, uh, yes, you mentioned the weekly videos. And all of this is really easy, easily accessible on on my website. Um, But the weekly videos, you can actually sign up to have those delivered straight to your inbox every Thursday. And the videos are two to three minutes on either, you know, kind of a a parenting tip or leadership or, uh, you know, just anything when it comes to professional and personal success. 
Mm -hmm. All of that is available at your website, ColleenHauk.com, C-O-L-L-E-E-N-H-A-U-K.com, which we will put in the show notes. Of course, people can swipe up on their phone and click the link. Colleen, great stuff. You are, you're making a huge difference in the world. You are. Yeah, Thank you. Is, you're just taking the challenging experiences that you've had and helping other people have breakthroughs so they can be successful in their corporate careers. And we need that, right? We need, because we need, my, my wife is a kindergarten teacher uh, for, you know, 17 years. And so she sees the parents who are fragmented in their daily life and stressed and overwhelmed. It shows up in our classrooms, you know? Yeah. And so ultimately you're, you're not only helping these uh, women and men in their in their careers, but you're helping generations. Literally, you're helping generations be more at peace, more integrated, more um, fully present by the work that you're doing. That is so powerful. So thank you. Thank you, David. I, um, I, I thank you for saying that. I hadn't even necessarily thought that far in advance. You know, it's when I hit that breaking point in my office, I thought I would have to choose one or the other that, you know, work or personal family. And that has been my enemy. I just never, ever want anyone to think they have to choose one or the other, mm-hmm. that they truly can have both. They can live this and life and have financial independence and have personal fulfillment. And uh, so I I appreciate you uh, inviting me on and giving me the space to share my story and my tips in hopes of of helping people uh, see that, you know, they can live the and life. And thank you for sharing that uh, for generations to come. To learn more about Colleen and her work, check out all the links in our show notes by swiping up on your phone now or going to our website at insporising.com. No matter what your thoughts are on working inside or outside the home as a parent, may you have the courage to own the decision that's right for you and your family. And may you love your child in ways that they feel loved. And may you cultivate ongoing open communication that will keep you connected to them and loving them and supporting them for a lifetime.